God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done, and we give you all glory. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and we praise you because of it. And Lord, we want those songs to be our prayers to you, that we will be completely abandoned to ourselves and give ourselves fully to you. We pray it in your name. Amen. This morning, we are doing a little different. If you haven't had a chance to spend a communion service with us, uh, we don't do uh, what you might would assume would be traditional style where you all take the elements together. What we'll do is uh, shortly I'll, I'll get done with this first part of my message and uh, I'll uncover the elements and you kind of come as you want to during the music, during the next parts of the messages. Take it back to your seat and, uh, and take it when you feel ready. Um, it's not a, a big group thing. This is between you and God, you and your family and God, and that's what we really want to focus on this morning and make sure that you're okay with that. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be a partner. Only thing we ask is that you're a follower of Christ because from the very beginning, when Jesus had the first Lord's Supper, when he sat there on that uh, a couple nights before he was to be, to be crucified and, and he was there and all together with his disciples, only people who were there weren't Baptists, weren't Methodists, weren't Catholics. It was followers of him. And those are the ones who are taking the communion today. So we ask you to, uh, to be a part of that with us this morning. And we'll uncover it here shortly. Uh, what I'd like for you to do is if you have been with us, we've been going through the book of Romans. So if you do me a favor and open up your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 14. We're going to be wrapping up Romans today. And as we are, um, as we are, I want to challenge you because what we have done is we have gone through Romans uh, almost in a real fast reading fashion, but reading all the verses. Today we're only going to read a couple of verses from each, 14, 15, and 16. So I would encourage you this week to read through those, to get kind of the full aspect of it all as we've looked at the entire letter of everything that he's written to this Roman church. Uh, we see some things. What I really like about what we're doing this morning is we're going to break it up. I'm going to talk a little bit. We're going to sing a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit. And like I said, we'll have the elements uncovered for you to come and take. But in the time of breaking it up, it'll also give you a chance to really focus on the words to the songs. Those songs we just sang, that actually it was one song that we just sang, but it was two of them that were mixed together. It's um, Glory to God Forever and I'll Stand, or The Stand, by Steve Fee. And I remember the first time I heard those, I was at a, at a conference, and the and, uh, funny thing is I had flown out on a plane with him and didn't even realize it, just realized they looked a little weird, kind of like the your typical artist types that sing. And I'm sitting next to him on a plane, not even really paying attention, end up at the conference. They end up at the same conference, except they're leading the worship, and I'm standing there watching, and I felt kind of weird about it. But they started singing those songs, and I thought to myself, how often do we sing a song without really paying that close of attention to the words? How often do we get into it? It says, take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. I mean, as we're singing that, were you saying it like, yes, God, take my life and everything that it is and make it what you want it to be? Or were you just singing it because it was on the screen? And it goes on from there. It says, so what can I say and what can I do but offer this heart, oh God, completely, completely to you, completely to you. I'll stand with my arms high, which I've always laughed about because we always sing that when we got our arms by our side. But that's a whole other thing. Um, our arms high and our heart abandoned in awe. In awe. I mean, have you ever been in awe of something? In awe of the one who gave it to us. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All, not part, but all I am is yours. 
both those songs are saying, it's not about me, God. It's all about you. And everything that we do and everything that I try and accomplish isn't for my own glory. Yet, that is so hard, isn't it? To be completely surrendered to God. I mean, it's easy to say and it's easy to sing, but it's a whole nother thing to actually do, to actually put everything into God. We have this great plan that as we grow as Christians, our lives are going to change and become more like Christ. That is the overall plan. That's what God wants from us. But at the same time, we live in a land that doesn't really let that happen doesn't really glorify that thinking because when we want to be more like christ other people are going to make fun of us other people are going to tear us down and the other thing is is when we want to become more like christ it's about giving everything and i would have to say maybe i'm speaking for myself maybe i'm alone in this but it is difficult to give everything i mean everything is everything that means my whole life All I am is yours, like the song says. We are called in this life to live like Christ. Yet, our lives are generally built on comparing ourselves to other people. Not by comparing ourselves to Christ. And that's a problem. That's a problem I think we all have. And you would think that the older we get, the less we care about what everyone else thinks. But that's not the case. That's not the case, because what we do, we feel that we are okay as long as we're better than this person, or that we are not okay because we're not as good as this person, and we compare ourselves in a constant battle. We're constantly beating ourselves up on what's going on, and saying, hey, I'm not quite as good as here, or I am good as here, and it starts when we're real young, we're in sports, and all the different things, and band, and all those things, and we have to work our way up, and it continues in the job place, and the marketplace, and all those things. This is the deal. We live in the land of Ur, okay? We live in the land of Ur, and when I say that, I mean this. We base ourselves by judging ourselves compared to other people by either being better, by being smarter, by being faster, by being taller, by being skinnier, and that is who we are, unfortunately. Instead of comparing ourselves to Christ, that ultimate example, we compare ourselves to others around us. And as long as I am better, smarter, faster, skinnier, those things, I feel good about myself. Or, on the flip side, I don't feel good about myself because I'm not one of those things. And I, I beat myself up. And if you're single, that's a, that's a thing that we really get into. When you become married, you start wanting that for your spouse. I want my spouse to be bigger and smarter and faster and skinnier and all these things. And we kind of put those things on them as well. And then we have kids. And then you want your kids to be that against somebody else. And I hate to say it. I hate to say it because there's something inside of us. For whatever reason, whatever reason this happens, you almost feel good. You never admit it. But you almost feel good when somebody else's kids that you're comparing yourself to aren't quite as good. When they get in trouble, when they have bad grades, when they have, same thing, when somebody fails, you're kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry, and you're kind of doing that (sighs) underneath your breath, that thinking, because you have just lifted yourself up because they have been torn down in some way. And that is a problem in the way we think. And the funny thing is, is that's just part of the people in here, because then you have the real type A personalities that don't even live in the land of Ur, they live in the land of Est, Big Est, Best Est, Tall Est. All those things, i got to be the best, whatever it might be. And we go back and we're always competing. We're always doing that. But what we need to do, what we need to do 
is we need to be comparing ourselves to Christ. And if we get into the book of Romans chapter 14 today, there's something I want to tell you. What it all boils down to is this, is you know that you can never measure up. We can never measure up. No matter who we're trying to be better than, there's always going to be somebody better than us. And we're always going to tear ourselves down because we're not going to be as skinny as that person. Or we're not going to be as good as that person. And so we're living in this land of Ur or land of S. There is no way to measure ourselves to that because we can't measure up. If you don't get anything else out of today, if in your bullet and you look on the back page there in the notes, there is a sentence with two lines on it. If you don't get anything else out of today, this is the one thing I want you to get. There is no win in comparison. There is no win in comparison. Because we're trying to win and we're trying to do it. And guess what? There's no finish line. Because as we continue to compare ourselves to others and continue to put ourselves above somebody else because they're not as smart as us or whatever it might be, or they're not as spiritual as us, so they're down here, we got a problem. And that's where Romans chapter 14 falls in line. That's where Romans chapter 14 falls in line. Look at this verse, if you would, with me. It's Romans chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Paul goes on from there and he gives these different uh, arguments that believers get in fights about. These little things that we're always arguing about and always getting on each other about. And having troubles with and not quite wrapping our minds around And we say, well, you're wrong because you do it this way, because you dress this way, because you listen to this style of music, or you're wrong because this is the way that you worship. You put your hands up. Well, you fold your arms when you're, you know, these things are the things that he's talking about. Now, there's some other things that he goes on throughout 14, 15, and 16, those chapters, to say, and that he says, you know, what I want you all to know is that it's not about uh, arguing with the people who are not believers, because sometimes we say, well, it's just about... He's saying that we're not supposed to argue so anybody in church can do anything they want. That's not it. Because he's saying biblically-based believers, people who are weak in the faith versus people who are strong in the faith. He's not talking about people who aren't in the faith at all. So make sure we throw that out the window. But when we're looking at this, when we're looking at this, he says we need to stop trying to compare ourselves to others and make ourselves feel better spiritually or weaker spiritually and say, oh, that guy is so spiritually strong, I don't like him. I hate them because they're this way. And that's a problem. Because we even do it in other things. Don't we kind of secretly hate the people that are better than us? Just a little bit. We have this secret, uh, I really don't really like that person very much because of this. Because they're better at me than this. And, and that's when you cheer when they fall. Um, I'm going to just be plain, open, honest, and transparent with you right here. I struggle with this just as much as anybody else. I have a friend, and he's, he's a good friend. We talk a lot. He's another church planter, and he's over in Clovis. His name is Derek, and he's got a great thing going over there. He's been going since September of 2009. We started in April of 2010. He was great to bounce ideas off of, and we've uh, been able to help each other out. But I've got to tell you, open and honest, I'm a little jealous of him. They already have a building, uh, a, a little uh, old gymnastics studio came available for him real cheap somebody in the church was able to help him out with it they paid just a little bit on it the next door they have a child care facility that's an actual child daycare during the week but they don't use it on sunday so they said they could use it so they have a building and a child care area um and he's got uh this last week the north american mission board 
sends out an on-mission magazine, and the on-mission magazine had him on the front cover of it. And then this week I get prayer cards, and all the prayer cards, there's one uh, missionary for each state, and he's on the front of the New Mexico's. And I was just a little bit, I mean, I'm really excited for him and all the things that are going on in his church. But at the same time, I'm like, seriously? Seriously, i got to set up in a school? That's way harder. I should have my picture on the front of the magazine. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking those kind of things in my head. And that's totally wrong thinking. But like I said, I'm just being transparent and honest here. And if Derek's listening to this, which I doubt he is because he's better than me at this. But um, the, the thing is, the thing is, 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 we get ourselves into this comparison mode, and we start leveling ourselves up. Okay, well, I'm a little bit better than them. Our church is two years old this Wednesday, which is really cool to me, and I'm excited about that. And uh, the cool thing is that between uh, the first two years is really where a church makes it or breaks it kind of thinking. And then the second, to the, the year two into three is the most difficult one. So I'm really looking forward to next Sunday being a great kickoff to year two into three and being Easter Sunday and all the things that are going to take place there. But, you know, we get into this, this comparison thinking. And we get into, the, hey, who is better than us? And it, like I said, it all starts as a kid. It all starts as a kid. We, we make up our own rules to these games. Did you guys ever do that? Just so somebody else would lose, you change the rules in the middle of the game because they were beating you at your own game? Yes, don't lie. You did it. You do it now still, okay? Don't lie. The thing is, is we get into that comparison thing, and, and Paul is talking about that very thing. He's talking about that very thing. And as a matter of fact, he told the church at Corinth the same thing. And 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. When I was a little kid, I loved G.I. Joe. I loved Transformers. I loved Star Wars. I loved all the action figures. I loved Hot Wheels. You know what I did yesterday? I did not sit down on the floor and play with my Star Wars or my G.I. Joe or my Hot Wheels or my Transformers. Why? Because that was things I did when I was a kid. And people would make fun of me. Those two things really weigh it all out. I would use my excuses with my boys. I buy them lots of things that I wanted to have when I was a kid so I could play with them now. I, I, do, I do admit that. But... But the, and if you have boys, you know, Mike, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the, the thinking is, is that we put away the childish things as we become adults. We grow up. And that's supposed to happen to us spiritually as well. We're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to stop comparing ourselves to others and say, I'm kind of good, but I'm really good compared to this person. I'm not quite as good compared to this person. When we start balancing out our thinking in that, that's a problem. And that's exactly the reason why we're meeting here at this table. Exactly the reason. Let me read for you another verse here in, verse four, in chapter 14. It's verse 7, 8, and 9. It says, For we don't live our, uh, for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. To be the Lord both of the living and the dead. The reason why we are sitting here today, the reason why we will take communion, the reason why we remember, the reason why we do it is because Christ died for us. We were sinners. We are sinners. We are saved by His grace. We could not do it on our own. That's what the book of Romans, if you've been with us, the whole book of Romans is God is great. We are not. God shed His grace on us. We can accept it or we can deny it. We can't do it on our own. We have to have His help. And not even so much have his help, we have to have his all. So it's not just like a little help that he's given us. He's given us everything. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. So 
that we didn't have to spend heaven without him. I read a, a tweet from a guy this week uh, named Judah Smith. He's a pastor up in the, in the Seattle area. And he said, he said, Jesus went to hell so he didn't have to spend heaven without us. And that's the plain and simple fact of it all. And that's the reason why we meet at this table. And that's the reason why we take what we're going to do. And when you remember, this isn't some once a month thing. That's the reason why we don't make this a traditional thing. It's not like the third Sunday of the month every month we do this. This is something I want to take time and think about. This is something I want to take time and reflect on. And that's the reason why we don't do it all together. Because you may want to do it right here at the front. And you may want to do it the very last thing before you leave. But we're not going to say, hey, you can't do it this way. It's when you feel ready to come before God and say, yes, God, I remember exactly what you did for me, and I am thankful for it. I remember exactly what you did, and I am excited about it. The next song we're going to sing, as I uncover the elements, is a song I want you to hear, and I want you to, to think, but it's called Forever Rain. You are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope. You have covered all my sin. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Taking this idea of this comparison, you know, we look for everything we can, everywhere we can. When instead we should just be saying, God, nothing compares to you. I should only be looking to you. Nothing beats the fact that you were embracing me and loving me because you sent your son Jesus and that wasn't where it stopped at. You were constantly there for me. So as we take that next step and I uncover the elements, like I said, you can come now or you can wait, whatever you want to do. Be thinking about that and as you sing these words, really be thinking is God's love really all I need? Is it the only thing I'm striving for? Continue. I just ask that you keep coming. It doesn't bother me if you stand up while I'm talking. But, you know, just hearing those, hearing those words, just knowing that say, you know, the riches of your love will always be enough. If you were to be open and honest and transparent, what are you battling with? What's the thing you're constantly comparing yourselves to? What's the person or the thing or what thing are, are you as a parent making your kids do that you really kind of on the inside wish that you were doing, you know, living vicariously through them? What is it that is, that is driving you to, to get that love when really in all honesty we should be li lifting ourselves up to Christ and chasing after Him? As we look into the next part, I want to look into chapter 15. And Paul keeps right on going with what he's talking about in 14, but I like the way he sums it up here in verse 13 of chapter 15. Verse 13 of chapter 15, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope. That's a word that got thrown around a lot at the last presidential election. I'm sure it'll get thrown around again here in the next couple of months. We'll be getting bombarded by commercials and all the fun stuff that come with that. But let me ask you a question. Is there really hope? Is there really hope? I mean, turn on the news. When you turn on the news, you realize that people are scum. I can't think of a better word to describe it. People are scum. Our economy is in the tank. We've got... Drugs and violence everywhere. 
I mean, think about, is there really hope? And what it says here is, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely. We need to realize that all those things, all those things we put our hope in, whether it be our family or our friends or our job or our bank account or all the things that we put our hope in, they will let you down sooner or later. But if we put our hope in Christ, He will never let us down. He will never let us down. It's funny, I was talking this week with somebody and he said, you know, I feel like I let God down. I've done this and I've done that. And I said, let me just tell you something real quick. You were never holding God up. It's impossible to let God down if you're not holding Him up. He's holding us up, and He's lifting us up, and our hope is found in Him. Our hope is found outside of this world. When this world is over, this is as close to hell as we're going to get. We've talked about that before. That's what Romans is about, the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, raised from the dead, and came back to life, was resurrected, was resurrected. How awesome is that? Because if he had never done it, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't be here. There would be no reason for us. There would be no celebration if it was only a Good Friday. Good Friday would not be good if Sunday hadn't happened. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that going into this week. We need to remember as we're looking at all the things that we're going to be bombarded with. Even this morning on the news, they were talking about this being Palm Sunday. I apologize. We don't have palm trees and palm leaves and stuff for you to do. But, but the, the idea that this is Palm Sunday and everything in this Holy Week and everything that led up to with, with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey and, and doing the, the, the things that, that took place and the Bible lays it all out. And then, of course, the, the Friday came that he was, he was crucified. And he did it all knowing it was going to happen. And he did it all for you and he did it all for me. He knew exactly what was going to take place. As a matter of fact, he actually said, God... If there's any other way to do it, let's do that. But if this is your will, let your will be done. And sure enough, he did it for us because he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others and say, hey, you know what, I'm good enough or I'm not. Because once again, there is no good enough. We cannot compare ourselves to others in the church, outside the church. It's not about how good we are here it's how good we are in god's eyes and he sees us through the blood of jesus he sees us in that way and it changed everything for each and every one of us maybe at some point in time in your life you said this magic prayer you were at a camp when you were eight years old and you said this magic prayer and for a few minutes it changed everything and everybody clapped for you and you felt good but nothing actually happened in your life well it's because a magic prayer doesn't do it when you go and you get baptized and you say, yep, this is it, but nothing changes in your life, let me just tell you, water of a pool or water of a baptismal or water of a sprinkling that's in a little pot, there is no holy water. It doesn't change you. Jesus Christ changes us. It's plain and simple and that's it. And we have to give our lives to him and allow him to continually be changing us from the inside out. And that's what we've talked about. I think we need to remember this, though. That all we need is God. Where is your hope found? Are you putting it in all these other places and saying, well, I need God plus this because that's what's going to make me happier. I need God plus this and that's going to make my life better. Or I need God plus this. There is no plus. It's God alone. 
all we need is Him. That's what this next song talks about. Moving on to chapter 16. Chapter 16 is Paul thanking those and, and doing a lot with the fact that, that uh, he just went through this entire letter. And it, it doesn't have a, a whole, whole lot probably for us to wrap our minds around. But there was something that really stood out to me in the first two verses. As it said, all we need is you. You know, God's over there. He's watching us and he's directing us. And, and Paul is thankful for the people that, that uh, God has put in his life. And he says this. He says, okay, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon, which is this in, in this terminology is a servant, in the church of Sancri, welcoming or welcome her uh, in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. And some of you might have uh, the NIV version or KJV version that says, welcome her as a saint. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to me and to many, especially to me. And this verse doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but I think it's a great way for us to wrap up this morning and lead into the Easter week. Because there's three things that we see here, and I've underlined them. You can leave that verse up there for me if you would, Corey. Uh, there's, there's three things that we see here. And the first thing is, is it's a sister. The, the word deacon is servant. And worthy among God's people is saint. And as I look at those, there's three things I think that we need to take from even this small passage. And that idea of sister is the church family. The church family, to be a brother, to be a sister. You know, we will have disagreements. All families have disagreements. But, I'm not sure about if you had brothers and sisters growing up, but if you did... Even when you were kind of at odds with them, anybody went against them, you're going to be on your, on your brother or sister's side. You're going to fight for them. And that's, that's the way it is. And that's the way the family should be. And that's really what, what Paul's talking about here. A sister to greet as a family. You know, there's things that, that families are supposed to do. They're supposed to, to cry together. They're supposed to laugh together. They're supposed to love each other. And Paul, throughout Romans, Romans 12, 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. He also says, honor one another. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Romans 14, 13 says, let us not judge one another. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another. Romans 16, 16 says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Romans 15, 14 says, teach one another. He goes on in other passages and other letters that he writes to the Galatians 5, 13, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Hebrews 10, 25, encourage one another. 2 Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another. Working together as a family, that's what it's about. I'm not sure um, if you've ever walked into a house where a family has been fighting. You can tell there's a weird awkwardness there. You ever had that? When it's like, hey, shh, 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 they're here. Stop fighting. Everybody got that big smile on their face when they walk in the door? Guests at a church that walk in, that know that a church has been fighting and there's been disagreements, they feel the same way. That same feeling comes over them. That's why we have to be very careful in how we're approaching each other and how we're talking to each other and how we are. We should be loving each other and not fighting. The second thing is, it says honor among God's people. If you are in God's family, then you are a saint. And I know you might be thinking like the St. Thomas and St. Matthew and St. A saint is somebody who is being sanctified. This ongoing, lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. 
Put very simply, sanctification is that. It is becoming like Jesus. Are you becoming like Jesus? After all the things we've gone through and talked about in Romans over the past six weeks, are you becoming like Jesus? Do your actions say it or just your words? What if, you know, I'm not sure if you remember, there used to be those bracelets, those what would Jesus do bracelets. Put that aside and let's ask a real question here. What if for one day Jesus lived your life for you? What if one day Jesus lived your life? 24 hours, Jesus wakes up in your bed, he walks in your shoes, he lives in your house, he assumes the roles that you have. Your boss becomes his boss, your kids become his kids, your headaches become his headaches. What would change? How would things appear differently? The only thing that really in all of that would change is his heart compared to your heart. What he lives for versus what we live for. How would things change? Would our stress levels change? Would our coworkers change in the way they approach us and the way we approach them? Our bosses, our friends at school, our neighbors who drive us crazy? Whatever it might be. How would things change? Because those things that change, if you were to say, this is how Jesus would live my life, and this is how I'm currently living my life, the things that change should be the things that actually change in our lives, that we should focus on and should make change. The final thing I want you to see is this, is the idea of deacon. Deacon, to be a servant. To be a servant. There are so many opportunities to serve. There are so many opportunities to serve the Lord where you are at. There are so many opportunities to serve the Lord right here in our church. I thought this morning, because it's April Fool's, I thought this morning they were playing an April Fool's joke on me when I showed up at the trailer and there wasn't anybody here. I'm like, funny guys, nobody's in the parking lot. No, it's not a joke. People just aren't here. I want to encourage you. I am so glad that so many people help out. But I want to encourage you that if you are not, if you're kind of, well, I put a chair away at the end of service. No, I mean actually help out. Um, I would encourage you that starting this week, as we get into Easter, there's so many great opportunities for Easter. There's a stack of 5,000, well, less now than 5,000 door hangers that are over there that need to be passed out. It honestly, my guess is, you take a house a minute, and that is if you're walking slow and backwards, okay? Um, that takes you an hour to do 60 houses. There's two of you in your family. You got 120 houses knocked down in an hour. Most of us in here need to walk anyway, okay? So it's going to be all right to do that. Go get out and, and uh, yeah, get out and hit the neighborhoods. I wouldn't do it today because all those are going to blow up the doors and it'd be kind of pointless. So as soon as the wind is done, get out there and hit the neighborhoods. Let's invite people to our church. Another way we can serve, I talked about it last week, is our benevolence offering. Above your regular offerings and tithes, we have a lot of people in the church that come and say, hey, I, I, I'm not able to make my bills this month because of this, this, or this, whatever it might be. And we have an offering set up specifically to help people out. And if you're able to give towards that, today is a great day for us to focus on that. And you can just drop that. You can write benevolence on the check or just put cash in the box, whatever. Uh, there's envelopes or just put it on there. And I'm not saying it because I want you to do it. I'm just saying it. That's another way you can serve if you want to. There's so many different opportunities. Next Saturday from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock, we're going to be over at the concert hall. We're going to be getting ready for Easter. 
I am totally jazzed about it. I'm not even joking. I'm not going to sleep this week, okay? I'm just going to let you know that. I've already got that. Uh, next Monday, don't call me because I'm going to be dead. Okay, that's just, gonna, that's just the way it's going to be. I am so excited about what's going to happen with Easter, but it doesn't stop there. As you see probably in your bulletin, I put a little sarcastic remark that contrary to popular belief, there are Sundays after Easter. So we do need to focus on that and, and focus on getting people on a constant basis, inviting people to come to be a part of church, inviting people to, to meet Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm really excited about what's going to take place after Easter. You see over there, uh, we have our, our uh, artwork. One of, the, one of the kids here, he, he put all that together, but that, our new thing is called the Warrior, and it's all about character ninja assassins that come in, and uh, I bought Peyton a ninja outfit to uh, help me be my prop, and he's totally excited about it. He came out and karate chopped Melee in the neck, but um, he, he had it on, and he, he was really excited, so there'll probably be chances uh, throughout the next couple of weeks you'll see Peyton come running across the stage and karate chopping me too, and he gets to dress up as a ninja at church, so you can't really beat that. So um, if, you, uh, if you want to be a part of that, Get people involved in that. Dress up like a ninja if you have to. I really don't care. It'll be all right. Um, they have adult costumes on Amazon for like 12 bucks, so it's cool. Um, it'll be weird, but it'll be cool. Um, so just get involved in what we're doing here. I, I would love to say that you're here and you're able to be a spectator. Just sit there, enjoy, and soak it all in. But we talked about it last week. As you soak it all in, you become sour. So squeeze it out and do something. Do something. You'll see the, the quote that's on the front of your on the front of your bulletin, God didn't die for us just so we could be along for the ride. He invites us to become a part of it and join in with it. So please, 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 as we see this and we see this about Phoebe, about being a servant, about being a saint and being a part of the family, that's what this is about. That's what Jesus died for. And as you remember this morning, if you haven't had a chance, this will be the last song, the last opportunity for you to do it, and then we're going to wrap up and, uh, and send you on your way. Thank you for being here this morning. And let's just, uh, let's just thank God this one last time as we, uh, as we sing that song we opened up with, Beautiful.